fun activities, family time, conversations, quiet time, whatever it might be. Lord, we, we just give you the praise for all that camp has to offer. And so now, Lord, in this time, we pray that we would be able to focus in on what you would have to teach us through Pastor Tim this morning. Lord, teach us more about you, about your Holy Spirit, and about how that will impact our lives and change us as we prepare to start going home over the next couple of days. Lord, I pray that you would um, just fill your servant, Tim, with your spirit, your words for us. Lord, spill out onto us. Help us to not miss anything of what you would have for us today. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Thank you, Jen. You had to go there, didn't you? We only have a couple more days left. You had to go there, didn't you? Oh, my gosh. Um, I'm staying here. Yeah, yeah, I'm staying here. I told my, I asked my wife, how's she doing with the U-Haul? She said, we got it. We got it. And so um, we'll be here, I think, over here about 5 o'clock on, uh, on Saturday. And somebody's making brisket for us. I don't know who. but So we <laughs> just love you guys so much. It really is such a humbling honor. Uh, and I, saw, I was telling Travis earlier, just a few minutes ago, I just love the fact that we get to connect. And what we've learned, what I've learned, at least as a, uh, you've heard us before, Christianity can't be a, a Lone Ranger sport, right? You can't be a Lone Ranger in Christianity. You just can't. I, you can, but you can't, right? I mean, you could do it alone, but you're not supposed to. That's why we call the body of Christ. But we're going to look at gifts and fruit today from the Holy Spirit. And I think the reason that it's so important is because we're supposed to be a body. We're not supposed to be this Lone Ranger uh, Christian, not only in ministry, but also in our faith walk. We're, we're supposed to be together. We're supposed to have, you know, I'm sitting here last night, and, and long after uh, I was done yapping, uh, there were still people at the altar rail, and there were people weeping and crying and hugging. And that's community. It's called community. And I think the Holy Spirit, one of the things, I was talking to Larry uh, just before class, and I don't know if you all know this, there are 4,200 religions. 4,200 religions in, in the world. 4,200. That's 4, 4,200, 4,200 religions. Only, and about 3,900 of them are very similar. 4,200 religions, about 3,900 of them are similar in their makeup and in their understanding, and, and most of them focus on good works, okay? But you got to be a good person. We talked about this, somebody talked about this last yesterday. we got to be a good person. Uh, we've got we to do good works, and the more good works we do, somehow or another, we're going to balance, somehow this balance, this scales, right? And if we're not careful, come on, let's be honest, if we're not careful, we still kind of live into that. Because we feel like we've got to kind of please God. And what we don't realize is we already please God. Uh, and, and God's already love, in love with us as much as he can ever be in love with us. He, can't not, he cannot fall out of love with us. And because God is love. So if God can fall out of love with you, then he's not love, is he? And, and so that's, a fa that's an idea that I don't think we really kind of truly grasp. I think we, it's kind of, um, it's, it's out there in the sky somewhere thinking, yeah, God's love. But when we understand that God, and, and one of the things about the 4,200 other religions, God, this, this religion of ours called Christianity is crazy unique. Uh, one of the things is love. Most religions are not about, if you, anybody know about, you know, I, took, I had to take a class in seminary in Asbury about world religions, and, and my mind was blown. And this is 20-some years ago, 25 years ago. And I'm sure there's some added since then. But, but it's not really about the love of God. These, these religions aren't really about the love of God. They're about the justice of God, the wrath of God. They're about the, 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 the God who, who weighs your good deeds with your bad deeds and all of that. But we have a God of love. The second one, I mean, again, there's several things that are unique. But one of the things that's unique, right, about Christianity is this thing called the Trinity. In fact, of the 4,200 religions in all the world, 4,199 of them don't have the Trinity. There is no religion that has a Trinity, not like the Bible's Trinity, where the Father, Son, and Holy Spirit are equal, co-equal, co-equal in worship, co-equal in power, co-equal in omniscience, co-equal in omnipotence, co-equal in wisdom, co-equal in everything. Always eternal. No one was ever born. No one was ever created. And no one will ever die. And no one else in no other religion has that. It's just crazy. And um, I tell you that because uh, not only Larry and I were talking about that, but kind of leads into kind of where I want to kind of at least begin us this morning. Um, and that is a kind of a continuation of the story of Firmus Chapel 
and the Joshua Center, but connecting the dots with the Holy Spirit. Tonight, we're, today we're going to look at uh, gifts and, and fruit, but before we do, I want to help kind of kind of give you a, a bigger picture, even the Firmers Chapel. Some folks were asking for business cards. They're up here. Got another supply of them if you need them. We love, love, love connecting. Somebody say connecting. So we love connecting, and uh, one of the things that we see the Holy Spirit doing is connecting. He connects people. He connects. So we have this idea that maybe God's idea of king, uh, growing the kingdom is growing your church. And what we've realized is that's really not exactly biblical. Building a church building, putting people in the pews, and making sure they have a lot of money to give to the church, that's kind of a man metric. It's not really a God metric. But you know, come on, guys, you know how it is. We love Easter. We love Christmas. Why? Lots and lots of people. It's kind of those kind of bittersweet. We love it, but we don't. Where are they at on December 13th? You know, where are they at on July 8th? You know? but, 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 but so we have this idea that, that if we grow a church, we'll grow the kingdom. And that's not necessarily always true. I've got a, 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 the Lord laid this on my heart. Don't, <laughs> don't hurt me on this one. But um, the Lord laid this on my heart a few years ago, and I do a teaching on the difference between church folk and kingdom folk. And there's a difference. Um, there's a difference between church folk and kingdom folk, and, and what God wants us to be is kingdom folk. Now, I believe when he said, on this rock I'll build my church, I think he meant kingdom church, church kingdom, the capital C church, right? But I think what we have done as in our culture is kind of build up our churches, and there's nothing wrong with wanting people to come to church. I'm a pastor. I'm a pastor of a small local church. I love a church. But I've realized that God's more about the kingdom. Is that making sense? Is that making sense? This is going to be really important as we go on with gifts and fruit in the kingdom. Because I just want to say, I, God, yes, is okay with your church growing. But he's more concerned about the kingdom growing. Make sense? And the kingdom can't grow without fruit and gifts. Are you hearing me? So yesterday, we talked about the works of the Holy Spirit is to change hearts and change minds. So I just reversed that. Change hearts and change minds. I pointed differently. But change heart and change mind. And the Holy Spirit's job is to do that. So that's an internal work. Amen? Amen? That's an internal work. But now God wants to do something on the outside. And that's the fruit and the, the gifts that will now bring the body of Christ together for the sake of the kingdom. So let me tell you kind of how we've discovered that as a, as a and we're still discovering as Firmers Chapel. Uh, we, uh, we, we have this Joshua Center. In the last few years, we started reaching out internationally. So our little country church, we had a problem, right? We kept praying about, okay, Lord, we think you're supposed to grow. We're supposed to grow. The Bible says go out and make disciples of how much of the world? All the world. What do you do with 155, a seating of about 150? A church of 150, a little whiteboard church with a steeple that we ring the bell every morning. What do you do with that church where you get more people coming in? Then what do you do when 250 people over a period of three or four years get called into ministry? What do you do when you start baptizing 200, 300 people a summer, a week, or a, in, in a year? What do you do with all that? And, and all of a sudden we saw the Holy Spirit move, but we started asking questions like, okay. And it was really kind of a crazy story uh, as we're praying and fasting. And yes, 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 yes. Christians should be fasting. I don't think that's a. I don't. I don't think that's supposed to be an option uh, for us. It's a discipline, just like prayer, just like reading scripture, just like worship. It's a discipline. Does it feel good? No. Do you like to do it? No. But but I think it's something important for us uh, to learn how to surrender. That kind of like tough Christian that we talked about last night. But anyway, so we're praying and fasting as a church, as a leadership. We're praying and fasting as a church. We're saying, okay, God, we don't know what's going on with our church. We don't know. Uh, we're, all this crazy stuff is happening, the supernatural stuff. We're getting, like, national attention. They sent, like, uh, a news crew from Nashville and another crew from New York to film what was happening at Firmers Chapel. This, uh, they call, called it this revival. Well, that's all good and dandy, but after they leave, as the pastor, I'm still trying to figure out what to do with everything. I'm like, I don't know what's happening, and, and I had no clue, and I'm, again, a, kind of a goober from Kentucky. I didn't know what was going on, so we're praying and fasting as a team, and finally, uh, about that time where we're praying and fasting as a, as a team, uh, we, uh, we got this offer. There's an offer of land, free, on a hill about maybe not even probably a half a mile from where we are located, on a beautiful hill overlooking a lake. 
got to be God. Because on that land, we could build a multi-dimensional facility. We could build a sanctuary that would hold anywhere near 1,000, 2,000 people. We could finally be the large, large, large church that God obviously wanted us to be. So we, uh, it was so crazy. Me and uh, uh, some uh, 84-year-olds who were tougher than me, um, we had this one woman, Marjorie Board, at, at 90, I want to say 93 or 94. She's passed away now. But about 93, 94, she took her first motorcycle ride uh, with a CMA uh, biker. Somebody was talking about CMA like yesterday. But, uh, yeah, 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 uh, Bill, right? Uh, or Minnesota or whatever you were trying to do with me. Um, but uh, so – but he, uh, she, she jumped on the back of a bike at 90-whatever she was at, at the time, 94, 93, and, and takes off. And uh, we didn't see her for like an hour. We were a little concerned. But she comes around the corner. Now she's driving the bike. And the, and the other guy's behind her like, oh, my gosh. That is Marjorie Board. That was Marjorie Board. So anyway, she passed away years ago, a few years ago. But uh, we had about five or six of us traipse through the woods, about a, about a little less than a half a mile. We had to pass through a dry creek bed, not the same creek that we baptized folks, and up a hill and into the hill. We prayed turkey mites and ticks and skeeters and all that. It was in the evening, about 7 o'clock, 8 o'clock, August night, humid and hot in southern Indiana. And we get up there, and we're praying over the hill. And we began to think, okay, so before we really began praying, praying, we started talking about, what we could do with the new ch- sanctuary. We started talking about the new carpet that needed to go in here. We started talking about the new, uh, the color of like how what the windows needed to look like. We needed to face the sanctuary this way to look at the lake. And then somebody said, well, if you are a little pond, with, uh, but if you did that, would you be distracted? So maybe this way. And we had this, all this discussion. And uh, so we were there for about two hours. We prayed a little bit. <laughs> and so we came back and we we're all excited. But I'm going to tell you about three of us. There are about, I guess, probably six of us. Bob Riley was one great man of God. Oh, my gosh, incredible man of God. And me and Bob and a woman named Dwana, and God bless Dwana badly. She'd never been in the hospital a day in her life, and she's battling uh, liver cancer like today. She had a blood transfusion yesterday. Oh, I hate that for Dwana. So Dwana, Bob, and I, after everybody left, we kind of hang out in the parking lot. Now, this is a good parking lot meeting. Anybody know there can be bad parking lot meetings? Okay, okay. So, so this is a really good parking lot meeting because I was about right. Of course, I live just across the street. So here's the church, big parking lot cemetery. John George Frimmer buried behind the church is, is the creek and the parsonage where Pam and I lived and raised our kids uh, right there on the hill. A- and so I was walking across the parking lot, and Bob and, and Duana were talking. They said, Pam, 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 are, are, do you think we're really supposed to take this land? Why, 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 why wouldn't we? Did you, did you hear the offer? Did you hear the price? Free, 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 free. Free, free, free. Commercial, right? Free, free, free. And so we're, um, we're praying a little bit more after that then because they put that little seed of just at least a question, uh, maybe a holy doubt. And as we began to pray, we called the team back together uh, about a week later, and we said, let's, let's just really commission. felt like the Lord said, like, we're going to commission you to pray a little bit more. So we started praying a little bit more. And long story short, we realized we got two words. We felt like two words were laid on our hearts. And the two words that were laid on our hearts were strategically small. Strategically small. And so we said, okay, Lord. And it wasn't even in mine. It was on Bob Riley's heart. And he came to me one day uh, after Sunday service. He said, I think I got a couple of words for you. Let's pray about it. Strategically small. And so strategically small it was. We began to pray about it. Again, long story short, that is Firmer's Chapel. That two words, those two words sum up Firmer's Chapel. We have probably right at this point, as far as I know, I don't know how many folks claim Firmer's Chapel as their home church. And honestly, I'm not even kidding. It doesn't matter to me. It, it matters not to me how many people call Firmer's Chapel their home church. Uh, but we probably are close to 2,000 or 2,500, probably. We have at least, uh, like I said, 14, 15. They keep changing because uh, other people start them, and, and there's other pastors in charge and other leaders. In, and they're all staff, uh, part-time, or most of them all free. To, uh, they, they volunteer staff. And these are people who just have something on their hearts that they want to start. And so now they 
go into the community. We have, um, I think we have 12 buildings downtown Corden that are ours now. Uh, either we rent them or we have owned, we purchased them. So we have 12 buildings downtown, and all those people that are called in the ministry go through the training center called the Joshua Center, and then they get, uh, they, they get sent out to different places. Now, some get sent out to Alaska. Some get sent out to all the different places in the corners of the world. And, and, and so, but there's connection. And then as they go out, they make connection with other people, and then they make connection. And what we've realized is Primrose Chapel is not the only church in the land. In fact, we are one of many, 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 many churches, and we have certain gifts, and we have certain abilities that we can add to the kingdom of God, but we are not the all-in-all-be-all. So why should we expect everybody to come to our church? We can't have everybody come to our church. We fit 150 because we're still exactly in the same location that John George Primer planted us 210 years ago. We did not take that land. And people thought we were crazy. But we heard from the Holy Spirit. I'm going to tell you guys, hearing from the Holy Spirit is a game changer. I believe if we had taken that land, now God, can God bless even a mistake? Of course he can. We see that, praise God. We see that a thousand different times in Scripture. But I don't think that was God's perfect will. I believe with all my heart God's perfect will was for us to stay in a, in a building that we cannot find the leak to the roof. We just can't. And I think John George Primer couldn't either. I think it was been there for 210 years. I can't, we, can't, we have had like every, uh, every roofer in all of Harrison County proper come and look at this thing. I've been on the roof. I've done some roofing in my life. I can't find nothing. We can't find anywhere where it's leaking. But every time there's a big heavy rain, two things happen. We've got to pull out buckets in this little country church when you come. And the worst thing in the world, I remember it was an Easter Sunday morning. Everybody's there, right? We got buckets everywhere. We got water running downstairs. We got water running down the lights. Happy Resurrection Day. It's a little country church that needs a whole lot of repair. And, and, and uh, so that either happens or when it really rains good, like a good uh, gully washer, as we call it, um, the creek floods. So we got water coming in from the top. Now we got water coming in from the bottom. Our youth room is in the basement. We have redecorated, that's what we call it, we've redecorated the youth room like seven times in the 15 years I've been there, or the 18 years I've been there. Seven times, I think it is, six or seven times, because it floods, because of that creek. So we've stayed, and God blessed, because we listened. Pardon? Absolutely not. And it really is about listening to the Holy Spirit. So I don't know, one of the things we teach really pretty, pretty hard uh, in a loving way you don't follow the blueprint of everyone else. You follow the blueprint of the Holy Spirit, and I'm pretty sure the Holy Spirit's blueprint for you is different than your neighbor sitting next to you, and the blueprint for your church is different than almost any other church in the land. Now, there are similar principles in Scripture that we learn from, right? There are certain principles on how to hear the Holy Spirit. But the Holy Spirit, if we're part of the body, right? Think about this now. If we're part of the body of Christ, come on. Everybody's not a hand. Everybody's not an eye. Come on, right? you got to really get this. First Corinthians teaching is really important where we are, bless you, where we are not the same and we're not the same part of the body. And we're not the body all by itself. This is why we all don't have all the gifts. Now, can we operate, and, and we can go into nuance of this, and, and I like to tell folks, please listen to what I say. Don't listen to what I don't say. A lot of times, because I can only say certain things in, in the time of I got, right? So, so sometimes people will say, well, well, this is, you didn't say this. Well, just because I didn't say it doesn't mean I don't believe it. I just didn't have the time to say it. Amen? So I believe that, that we can operate in all kinds of gifts, but I don't believe that one person has all the gifts all the time. If one person has all the gifts all the time, you don't need the body of Christ. And that's not biblical. Can you operate in different gifts at times? And are there primary gifts and secondary gifts and even maybe tertiary gifts, uh, third-level gifts, if you will? There's all kinds of teachings on that, but absolutely. And I'm still learning about that, but I just know that we need each other. Let me give you this one connection. We'll jump right into uh, to the, the gifts and, 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 the, and, and the fruit, which, again, if, I, if I'm kind of reading my scripture correctly, fruit is more important than gifts. Now, gifts are important. And I believe in every gift. I believe in every gift that the Bible talks about, every gift. But I also believe 
that we kind of, one of our, just like we talked about earlier this week, we tend to debate water baptism. We don't really have a whole lot of conversation about spirit baptism. We kind of avoid that topic. I don't think we do a whole lot of real deep talking about the fruit of the spirit because we want to kind of focus on the gifts. And let's be careful operating in the gifts when we don't have the fruit. We've got to be mature. We've got to be mature. So here's, here's this uh, beautiful, wonderful story. Oh, my gosh. And one of my favorite, favorite stories in, uh, in, uh, in, 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 in our history of, of Firmer Chapel. About five years ago, five, six years ago, we met a woman named Sangha Kumwar. Sangha Kumwar. And Sangha is from Nepal. And I had not met her yet, but uh, we partnered. So everybody say partnered. I want to tell you guys that I believe the Holy Spirit likes to partner people up. I really do. I believe, and it keeps us humble that we can't do our own thing. We can't bless you. We can't do only what we can, you know, just what we can do. We, we need each other, and it keeps us humble. It keeps us together. It keeps us connected. I really believe that's what the Holy Spirit wants to do around the globe. You know, in heaven, right, we're all going to be connected, right? You're going you're to be worshiping with your brothers and sisters in heaven. You know that, right? It's not a family reunion of everybody you knew here. It is a brother and sister reunion of around the globe of people that you will now know there that you never knew here. But supernaturally, now you'll know them because they were your brothers and sisters all along because they accepted Jesus. Check out Revelation 7, one of my favorite passages about what the kingdom of God looks like in heaven. And, and, and so just know that there's brothers and sisters all around the globe who've accepted Jesus Christ and who have given their lives over for, to Jesus, and they are your brothers and they are your sisters. And maybe, just maybe, just maybe, if you're listening and paying attention, the Holy Spirit wants to connect you with them. And he doesn't want you in a silo. He doesn't want you in, a, in an isolation or an echo chamber. He wants you to, to really kind of connect. So, so uh, Sangha Kumar, uh, she at five years old, uh, we connected with her, by the way. We do a, a, a ministry with uh, uh, New Life International. It's out of Henryville, Indiana. Check it out. Incredible ministry. Stephen Eady is one of our dear, dear, dear brothers. He comes to our church now. Uh, great story. I won't tell you that story about how he came to the church and freaked out my secretary. Uh, any bikers in the place, not motorbikers, but like bike bikers, uh, anybody know? Anybody know that you, the gear that you put on might be a little bit, it's a little weird because you got this pointed helmet, you got a padded seat that kind of sticks out, you got sometimes the tight shirts, the tight pants, and you got the the, the clip, uh, the, the, the the shoes that clip in. And and so one day this strange man walks in, my seventy year old secretary sitting there, there Janice, uh, all by herself in a country church, and here comes this, and like looks like a space alien because he's got goggles, he's got the. And uh, that's how Stephen Udi was introduced to the church. He did not know anything about the church existed. He just rode past. And uh, so he's been there for about uh, 10 years now. And today, today, right now, today, he's actually in uh, Johannesburg, South Africa, uh, putting in water purifiers. So he does water purification work. So he connected to Sangha, and I came back, and he told us the story, real quick story. Sangha was five years old when her daddy put her in a rickshaw. Anybody know what a rickshaw is? A rickshaw is one, an old, like a, a ho- usually a, a either motorbike um, carriage or sometimes a horse-drawn carriage. And this was a, a, a carriage that she, he put her in. I don't know if it was horse-drawn or motor, but whatever it was, took her all out into the woods, and her and her two sisters dumped her in the jungles of Nepal because the father was tired of having nothing but girls. And so five-year-old Sangha uh, got involved quickly, unfortunately, in the sex trafficking trade in Nepal and got shipped to Thailand, got shipped to India, finally came back to her hometown of Kathmandu in Nepal. And uh, at age 18, praise be to God, at age 18, uh, she met a missionary. Praise God. But she came to the missionary who asked her to missionary preach. A woman uh, missionary was preaching about Jesus. And the, the Nasanga came up to this missionary and said, uh, no offense, I don't need your Jesus. The only thing I've ever needed is a father, and you can't give me that. And the missionary smiled. Actually, I can. Because of the Trinity God. Listen. Because this missionary knew well enough to know that this woman didn't necessarily need to accept Jesus at that moment. She wasn't there. But the missionary offered her what she needed, the father. And at that moment, Sangha's testimony is at age 18, she felt the father's arms. She literally felt an older fellow, a safe older man's arms around her. And for the first time, she cried as she remembered. And so she gave her life to the father at 18. Another missionary, praise God, another missionary came when she was 21. That's when she gave her life over to Jesus. Okay? I know it's not the order that's supposed to happen. 
but God's okay with it. So at age 21, Asanga gets saved, and she gives her life over to Jesus. And now she wants to be a preacher or an evangelist in Nepal. Problem is, uh, two problems in, in, in Nepal. Uh, uh, evangelism uh, for Christians is illegal. Uh, there is right now, I've been to Nepal twice now. Uh, I've, I've got friends over there uh, who have been shot because of their faith. Now, they were wounded, they haven't been killed, but they were shot. One, uh, one friend of mine uh, was shot. His name is Benji. It's not spelled the way you think, but Benji. And he got shot on his way to sunrise service. One Easter a few years ago. Because it's illegal to be a Christian, and it's especially illegal to proselytize. That means to bring people to Jesus. You can't bring people to Jesus in Nepal. It's illegal. And second problem, she's a woman in a highly patriarchal culture in Nepal. So she's not going to be a, a pastor, but she's praying about this, right? So she's trying, 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 doors closed, doors, doors closed, doors. She is 32, 33, maybe 34 years old at the time. Uh, this is now um, uh, about eight years ago, so she's 40, 41, something like that. She's standing in a local butcher shop in Kathmandu when all of a sudden a woman comes out from nowhere and says, are you the woman, are you the woman, are you the woman? And Sangha's like, what are, you, what, what are you talking about, the woman? Are you the woman? The woman said, I, today I found a, a little five-year-old girl in the back of my, my, the woods behind me, the jungle behind me. And I grabbed her and brought her in and fed her. And I heard the Holy Spirit say, go to the local butcher shop here in Kathmandu and find the woman. And Sangha said, what are you, you going to say? <laughs> Sangha said, I guess I'm the woman. Eight years ago, an uh, orphanage was started. Because, see, in Nepal, if you're not real careful, a legal uh, orphanage, an uh, orphanage that's run by the government, can be a front for sex trafficking. But she runs what she calls a hostel, H-O-S-T-E-L. And in the last, the last eight years, 30 to 40 young people who have been abandoned by their parents that would have been in sex trafficking have gone to her school and her home, she li they live there. And last time I was there, there were 22 people in a two-bedroom house. 22 people in a two-bedroom, one-bath house. And, uh, and But she shuttles these people through, these young folks, from fa age 5 to 12, whatever. And by the time they're old enough, she pays for their education. She brings them in, and she teaches them how to evangelize in Nepal. Guess what's illegal to do in Nepal? I want to be a tough Christian. I want to be a tough Christian. I want to be a tough Christian. One of the reasons I love connections is that you kind of hear stories and you make, whoo, like Luis last night. And uh, uh, Juan Pablo, I don't know if he's here, but I just met Juan Pablo uh, yesterday. And like, oh, my gosh, he's from Guatemala. His, his mother, Emily, right? I'm thinking, oh, my gosh, this is like so crazy. Because um, I wasn't going to tell that story until about 4 o'clock yesterday afternoon. See, I'm thinking, guess what? One of the things we're going to learn tomorrow is give the Holy Spirit due. Guess who, I think, put that story on my heart to share last night? The Holy Spirit. Sometimes it's as simple as recognizing he's active in your life. So all this to say, the connection, we now have a... a Three ministry centers. We've uh, we've sent uh, one of her oldest daughters to a college, a Bible college in somewhere in India. I can't remember the name of the institute. It's a Caleb Institute. Pretty cool. There, we have a Joshua Center, and they have a Caleb Institute. And uh, Joshua and Caleb, the two spies that w that were hearing from the Lord, and they had a different spirit. The Bible says. Imagine that they had a different spirit. Imagine that. Come on, they had a different spirit. The Bible says. Twelve spies. Ten said no. Two said yes. The two had a different spirit. They had the Holy Spirit working in their life. And um. And so we are working with Sangha now, just an incredible, incredible partnership. She has gifts and graces that we don't have, and she's reaching people that we will never and would never reach. All that to say, I believe with all my heart that the Holy Spirit is about connecting us, not about staying in our own silo or our, our own kind of uh, thinking of our own kind of building, just our church. And again, nothing wrong with going to church. I'm a pastor of a church. I like it. But I think God wants to build the kingdom. Amen? Does that, does that make sense? Okay, okay, okay. So I think that's important because God wants to give us gifts. So the first 
very, very first evidence or the first real evidence is in Joel. So if you go to the second part, uh, the last two of the, of, the, of the sheets, you'll see Joel 2, 28 through 32. You all know what that is, right? Anybody know? You all know what that is, right? Joel 2, 28 through 32. It's the prophecy for what? Come on, God. It's, it's, a, it's, a, it's, a, it's the prophecy for Pentecost. Y'all know us? Let's turn there. If we don't know that, let's turn there. Joel 2, 28, 32. Prophet Joel, Spirit of God's working in him, prophesies that something's about to happen in the last days. So in the last days, in Joel 2, 28 through 32, says this. Then after all these, yeah, Joel 2, 28 through 32, right? Yeah, there is, 20 through 32. Joel 2. What did I say, Joe? Oh, you said Job. Okay, it's on the, yeah, it's on the sheet there, Joel. Joel 2, 28 through 32. You got me worried there for a second. Then after all these things, I will pour out my spirit. Look at this. This is God speaking through the prophet. I will pour out my spirit upon all people. How many people? All people. Your sons and daughters will prophesy. How many? Uh, how many? There's uh, again. I'm not trying. I'm not trying. Please hear. Don't 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 get mad. Don't don't don't. But I, I really believe. Um, uh, and we can go here, but we don't want to stay here very long. Uh, I believe a lot of the confusion, uh, all confusion, is from the enemy. God is not confusing. Amen. There are two genders, male and female. Uh, so, uh, and, and, and God created you as that gender. So, and, and I'm, I'm very nice and gentle about that. When I talk to people about that, uh, I don't, I don't, we don't bring condemnation. We don't bring hurt upon them. We don't look at them like they're some weird person. We just simply have conversation with them. Amen. We point them. We invite them to understand their true identity. This is why identity is really important. And I believe this is why a lot of folks are struggling across and this is actually in the Christian culture as well. This isn't, don't think this is just in the culture of, 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 the, of the world. This is in the Christian culture that, that there's, there's this confusion of genders. And, and we know, we know, we know biblically there's just there's two genders. So the, the, the good news of this is everybody, all sons, male, all daughters, female, will prophesy. Your old men will dream dreams. I talked about this last week, or last, I keep saying last week, last, uh, yesterday, I think it was, or the day before. Your young men will de- see visions. I don't dream a lot at all. I, I do have some visions from time to time. So I'm thinking, I, I'm, I'm, I'm going to stay young. Exactly. So in those days, again, look at how he repeats this. Any teachers in the house? Any teachers in the house? Any former teachers in the house? What do you want to do to a subject or a topic that you know is important that you want people to learn because it's going to be on the midterm or the final? What do you do with it? Repeat. What do you do? Repeat. What do you do? Repeat it. Why? Because it's important. When it's repeated in the scriptures, you might want to pay attention. It's really important. So here he says again, I will pour out my spirit, even on servants. Once again, he says, men and women alike. There is no difference. I'm going to pour out men, different roles maybe, different gifts, but I'm going to pour them out. And he talks about the, 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 the cause of the wonders of the earth. And, uh, and in verse 32, uh, he really talks about this is kind of the purpose of Pentecost. The purpose of Pentecost um, is only the, the purpose of Pentecost is the purpose of the entire Bible. It is the salvation of lost souls. Amen. That's the purpose of Pentecost. There is no other. Pentecost is maybe a little bit weird. But it's the purpose. The purpose is, remember all the languages that they spoke. Do I believe in a heavenly language? I do because the Bible says that. But in Pentecost, they spoke in earthly languages. Why? Why did they speak in earthly languages? Because everyone there was there for a festival. There were thousands of people in Jerusalem for a festival. And the festival of weeks, the festival that, that, was, that, that they practiced in Israel culture for, for hundreds and hundreds of years. And they were there to celebrate this festival. So when the Holy Spirit breaks out upon the disciples, yes, tongues of fire. And then, yes, mighty wind. But also be able to speak in a different language. Because they didn't have to download a translation app on their iPhone. They were able to speak the gospel in the language that the Medes would understand or the Parthenians would understand or the Egyptians would understand. They would be able to speak the gospel in languages that they had not done any study on. I took four years of Spanish. You know what I know? Hola. <laughs> and if I want to get real fancy, it's hola, y'all. <laughs> Howdy, y'all, in Spanish. That's what I mean. Translation. I'm, I'm fluent. So, so I, it took four years for me to learn that. 
And it took a moment of time. Now, it took a little bit more than that. Guess what the disciples had been doing for 10 days? 10 days in the upper room. 10 days. What are they doing? Praying, seeking, asking for the promise that the Holy Spirit was going to be given to them. Look at this. Uh, go to this next verse then in Joel. So here we see in Acts 1. So go all the way to Acts 1. And here's where we see the, the beginning of the fulfillment, right? So Jesus is saying, once they were eating, he was eating with them. Jesus was eating with them. He commanded them. Look at this. Do not leave Jerusalem until the Father sends you what? The gift he promised. As I told you before, John baptized with water. We talked about this last. We left off on this last uh, yesterday. John baptized with water. But in just a few days, help me out. Somebody, somebody, somebody finish that sentence. In just a few days, what? In my book, there is no debate on whether you need to be baptized in the Holy Spirit. Now, what we debate is how does that look? What does that sound like? What's supposed to happen? And I just want to be very careful here. I want to be very, very careful, and I want to urge us to use a lot of grace and caution of saying there has to be certain things that happen. I will tell you, I, and again, I, I, I could be wrong in this, but I'm going to land on this every day. I've learned to land on this every day. I think the greatest evidence of the baptism of the Holy Spirit is you start walking in maturity and truth. You love people like you've never loved before. That temper you had is now no longer really there. Or you're able to self-control it because the fruit of the Spirit is there, right? You've got joy like you've never had before. Even when you lost six family members or five family members and you get your own diagnosis of cancer in the last 10 years, Carol. Even when you lose your son walking to a conference to learn about being a pastor. Luis has this ministry, Hope Against Hope, in Guatemala, and he's, got the, he's the most joyous person I think I know. Where is your joy? See, the joy must be what? Your joy, the strength of the Lord is is joy, right? Joy is the strength of the Lord. Your strength, your your strength comes from the joy of the Lord, Nehemiah. And 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 joy is the fruit of the spirit. And joy is but very, very different than happiness, right? Joy is something that's deep and rock solid because it's based on your salvation. It's based on your love of God, the love of God pouring in, and the spirit of God growing and working in that. So I'm just saying that, that this promise is amazing. That you're gonna be baptized. You're gonna be baptized in the spirit. I, I, again, for us as a church, we, we've just kind of walked through that. And you may need to do that as a church or as an individual person. What does it mean to be baptized in the Spirit? And I just encourage you, please be biblical about it. Please be mature about it. Please be wise and loving about it. Amen? But seek it. I don't think the baptism in the Spirit is for, and we'll see this here a little bit. I, I mean, I, when Paul tells the church of Ephesus, and again, I just have to kind of preface this. I, and again, I, I, apologies to anybody who might be uh, what they call a cessationist. And I'm fine if you are. And I've got lots of friends who, who are cessationists. And what cessationists mean is that the gifts died with the apostles. And, I'm, and if, you're, if you're there, God bless you. I'm, I'm not. In my understanding and reading of Scripture, I'm not there. Because I'm not sure how you continue to equip the saints for ministry without walking in what? Gifts. And who gives the gifts? The Holy Spirit will see this very, very clearly. So the question, and we have all these spiritual gifts inventory. When we have people go through the Joshua Center, one of the first things we do is give them a spiritual gifts inventory. And one of the next things we do after a little bit is we give them, you know what an APEST inventory is? APEST, A-P-E-S-T. It's on, it's on the, uh, uh, it's on the uh, Michelle, right? Yeah, uh, it's on the uh, it's on the uh, Ephesians 4:11. It is. Uh, I have to always look back and think back. Apostle, uh, prophet, evangelist, shepherd, and teacher. And so, so those are things that have been developed. Asbury has developed them. Really good biblical sound uh, inventories. They're not the all in all and be all, but they are good ways to start knowing. Okay, what are my gifts? So if so, if 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 I or anyone else were to ask you. What are the spiritual gifts that the Holy Spirit himself has picked out for you? Can you say, boom, or do you like, so if you're here, now unfortunately that's a lot of the church, but if you're here, the invitation is learn it. 
because you're supposed to be a part of the what? The body. You see what I'm saying? You're part of the connection. And if you're not using the gift that God's given you, then you're not really being as effective for the kingdom of God that God wants you to be. You're kind of out there on the wing over here, kind of on your own. You're kind of like, you're just over here like, I'm just kind of making it, I'm making it happen. I'm just doing the best I can. I'm raising my family. That's wonderful, but that's not why you were born again. And when when you're born again, and you become a father like I became a father to my kids. Praise God. And when I'm born again and when I became a husband to my wife, I was supposed to be. Praise God. When I was born again, became a real, authentic, honest Christian. Not a Christian atheist. Praise God. But that is not biblically why I was born again. I'm born again, D.D., to now serve in the kingdom of God to bring other people into the kingdom of God. And the way that I'm going to do that is know my gifts that God has given me and me alone. If I don't know my gifts, I can't be used by the Spirit of God for the kingdom of God the way that God wants to use me. Is that making sense? And it just, it just, I just, I know I, wa- I do that a lot of this, and I'm blessed to, to kind of go and speak and talk, and I just know that it's a game changer to know. So when you talk about God's purpose, you're kind of maybe connecting with God's gifts, and what are his gifts in your life? What, what are they? Uh, look at Luke 11. I, I love Luke 11, just to kind of, and there's a whole bunch of passages that we just don't have the time to look at. But Luke 11, I love, love, love this passage, and, and um, uh, I've got stories about this. I don't know if I time to share but we'll see if we got we got time here we'll see but we still got some time to to we got to look at fruit here but uh and we can pick it up tomorrow if we if we if we don't get it done today but but on luke 11 uh 9 through 13 look at 9 through 13 so and i tell you this is jesus talking to disciples i tell you keep on asking and you'll receive what you ask for keep on seeking and you'll find keep on knocking the door will be open we all know that we at least know some part of that passage for everyone who asks receives Everyone who seeks finds, and to everyone who knocks, the door will be open. Look at verse 11. You fathers, if your children ask for a fish, do you give them a snake instead? And the answer is, of course not. That's the implied answer. Of course not. Or if they ask you for an egg, do you give them a scorpion? And there's lots of scorpions in the Judean wilderness. Of course not. Implied. Of course not. So if you sinful people know how to give good gifts to your children, how much more will your heavenly Father give to those who ask him? You have a measure of the Holy Spirit when you're born again. You have to. There's no way you're born again without the Holy Spirit. The Holy Spirit hovered. Remember hovering? Holy Spirit hovered. The Holy Spirit convicts of sin. The Holy Spirit woos you. Come on, I know you're white knuckling back there. I know you don't want to come to the altar. I know you don't want to come to Jesus, but come on, Holy Spirit, come on. Do the best thing you ever do. Come on, do the best you can. He's wooing you. He's not headlocking you. He's not shoving you up. the. He's like, come on, come on. And so the Holy Spirit has to be at work in your life before you're born again. So there's always got to be a measure of the Holy Spirit at work in your salvation. Amen? We saw this clearly in Titus. The Holy Spirit takes the blood, and washes you. So the Holy Spirit's involved. But there's more. Somebody say there's more. And sometimes it requires us asking the Father. Father, could you give me more of your spirit? And and, and I just wonder if if that's part of your prayer life tonight. In Romans, we're going to look at prayer. That's going to be, I'm going to give you the kind of a real quick snapshot. And it's kind of like a, we're just going to invite people to come forward if you want maybe to have a deeper, more profound prayer life. That's the altar call. You already got the secret. But have you prayed for more of the Holy Spirit? Because the Father, it says, is really good at giving good gifts. And how much more will he give you the Holy Spirit to those who ask him? That's what it says. It says it right here. That's what it says right here. It says right there. All right, so 1 Corinthians 12, it's kind of like the manifesto of, of spiritual gifts. And, and uh, this is so funny. 
uh, this is so random, and uh, guys, I hope you love me. Uh, you don't have to, but I, I'm just kind of random sometimes. So I'm reading scripture last night. It's about 11.30, 12 o'clock. I'm sitting on the bed and propped up, and I'm reading. And there is this honking big mosquito. And it's just, <laughs> I'm like, can I? And so I just, I, he was kind of hovering over the Bible right here, and I pow. And I, I didn't think I could find him. I just did. I actually, just, he's, he's on this page right here. I just knocked him off. So, so I just found the, the, the dead mosquito. Lord, raise him from the dead. No, no, don't raise him from the dead. All right. No, leave him dead, I guess. Is that a good prayer? Anyway, so random, I know, I know. But anyway, so 1 Corinthians 12. I got to figure out where I'm at here. After Acts, right? 1 Corinthians in the New Testament, right? So anyway, so, so 1 Corinthians 12, all right? Oh, um. 1 Corinthians 12, we can't read the whole thing tonight, today, but I've got here, if you look at your sheet, 1 Corinthians 12, 1 through 11, but just listen. It says, now, dear brothers and sisters, regarding your question about the special abilities the Spirit gives you, us, I don't want you to misunderstand this. You know that when you were still pagans, you were led astray, da, 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 da. and I won't go on a little bit more. It's all important, but I won't go to verse 4. There are different kinds of spiritual gifts, but, help me out, help me out, somebody. Of them all. Who's the source of all gifts? To one person, the Spirit gives the ability to give wise advice, wisdom. To another, the Spirit gives a message of special knowledge. We call it revelation. The same Spirit gives to another and to someone else uh, the gift of healing, right? Or, I'm sorry, great faith. And the other, someone else, one Spirit gives, uh, the one Spirit gives the gift of healing. He gives one person the power to perform miracles. Another, prophecy. He gives the ability to discern whether a message is from the Spirit of God. Another Spirit. Still another person given the ability to speak in unknown languages. There's tongues. While another is given the ability to interpret what is being said. Verse 11. Somebody help me with the verse 11. It is the one and only who does what? Distributes or offers or gives, or your translation might be apportions, these gifts. Last part of, your, last part of verse 11. Anybody got it? Very last sentence. Very last part. He alone. Somebody say he alone. You know who does not give you spiritual gifts? Jesus. Not because he couldn't. That's not his role. Just like Jesus could have raised from the dead by himself, he didn't. Because the role of the Holy Spirit is to raise him from the dead. So that the Holy Spirit who raises dead things back to life lives in you. Jesus could have raised himself from the dead because he's Jesus. But he didn't because it wasn't his role. Father, Son, Holy Spirit. Equal in power, equal in worship, equal, but very different in role. One God, one substance. This is Nicene Creed, guys. This is Apostle Creed. 2,000-year-old orthodoxy right here. That we, the church, have got it. If we don't have it by now, we got to recover it. Because I've said before, we're facing a tsunami. And, and, and I'm afraid the tsunami is a little winning right now. In my experience, as limited as it is, my experience, the tsunami of teaching other things is winning more than the church knowing orthodox, biblical, Trinitarian Christianity and understanding the power of the ghost. There's a ghost. The, go, the, the ghost alone, the spirit alone decides what he, so you, if you don't know the Holy Spirit, I got a question, how do you know your gift? Now, can you operate in a gift without knowing who gave it to you? I guess, but that's, I think that's just kind of dangerous. I don't think that's what's supposed to be biblical. 1 Corinthians 12, the last part, 29, 31, and this is where, again, we just, this is where it talks about the body of Christ. Look at what it says. Are, are, we, are we all apostles? I don't know what your translation says. The understood is, is no. So are we all apostles? No. Are we all prophets? No. Are we all teachers? No. I'm adding the no, but it's the understood because at the end it's going to say all of it. Of course not. Do we all have the power to do miracles? No. Mm. Do we all have? Now, do I believe that we all have the ability to do that at times or healing? I do. God, the Holy Spirit can work in ways unknown to us. But I'm, we're talking about the body of Christ. What Paul is saying is we all need one another. Do we all have the ability to speak in unknown languages, tongues? No. Do we all have the ability to interpret unknown languages? No. 
And in my translation, New Living Translation, but more importantly, in the Greek, it will say, you'll see, of course not. So you should earnestly desire the most helpful gift, but let me show you a way of life that is best for all. And then we know what comes after verse, we know what comes after 1 Corinthians 12, and we know what comes before 1 Corinthians 14, right? Anybody, any guesses? Any guesses what comes between 12 and 14? 13, love, love, oh, sorry, sorry, sorry. Um, And you know, we all know that this chapter, we know, right? We know that Paul wrote this chapter under the inspiration of the Holy Spirit just to be used for weddings, right? Because that's the context, right? The context is people getting married. No. Now, it's a wonderful passage for weddings. I've done a thousand of them. But oh my gosh, the context is what, guys? Gifts. You must use your gifts with love. You can't be going out there hurting people with your gifts. That's that's not how it's supposed to be. It's just not. God is love, love, love. Love, God is love, and if, you know, if the love of God, and he's working on me on this, but, but I can honestly say that I love people more than I ever have in my whole life, ever. The people still get on my nerves. Yeah. <laughs> but that draws me deeper to prayer, right? I, I just, I, I want that love. I want that love so desperately. I want that love so desperately. And, and so it goes on uh, in 1 Corinthians uh, 13, 1, right? It should be, if I speak, right? We know this. If I speak in all the languages of angels and men, but I don't love others. I'm a noisy gong or a clanging cymbal. It goes on. If I have the gift of prophecy, if I know all the secrets of God, if I had faith to move a mountain, but I didn't love others, I'd be nothing. Guys, we've got we to take this serious. 1 Corinthians 13, is, I think, is a, is a real strong exhortation for the church to operate in, in a lot of love. And, and, and I think um, I saw, a, um, oh, I hate to even use this example. I'm use this example. We're going to finish up on gifts today. Uh, we won't leave some time for questions. We'll talk about fruit tomorrow, so you can bring this. We'll have another handout tomorrow as well, but we're, we're not done yet. But we want to talk about, we want to talk a little bit more about gifts. I won't leave some qu- time for questions. But I just remember um, not too long ago, a couple of years ago, a, a pretty well-known uh, pretty well known, and I listened to him at podcasting, and he did a little videos. Uh, uh, he was in, I think he's in Tennessee, somewhere down south, Tennessee, south of me, and um, and so I was watching him on a kind of regular basis, kind of like his homespun stuff, and he's really kind of good. Until one day, he talked about uh, getting angry at somebody at a uh, uh, at a coffee shop, and he said this. He said this, and, and I just it turned me off totally. He said. Uh, I looked at the guy. This is the this is the evangelist preacher kind of guy saying this. I've watched him for a couple of years and I enjoyed him until he said this. He said, "Yeah, I kind of got there and he gave me a hard time about this and I gave him a hard time and I said to him this. I said, "When I come back tomorrow, this is the preacher talking, the evangelist. When I come back tomorrow and you give me a hard time on this, I'm going to kick your teeth in." I like I look I turned to First Corinthians thirteen really quick and yeah right there it's in chapter eight it's in verse eighteen, love kicks your teeth in. What are you doing? What are you doing? What are we doing? I, I think what what Paul is saying here and what I think God is saying I, I, I almost rather you don't walk in gifts if you don't have love. You gotta love people. You know how many people? How many people are we supposed to love? We're supposed to even love our enemies. Don't you love that verse? Love your enemies. Pray for them. Bless them. I think we have a lot of work to do in the church. But see, here's the thing, guys. Here's the thing. Guess what I can't do by my own power? Love my enemy. Guess what I can't do in my own power? Pray for a many. Guess what I can't do in my own power? Nothing. I'm a hoverboard without Elijah. You and I need the Holy Spirit. You and I need desperately the Holy Spirit. 1 Corinthians 14, 1, uh, and then we'll finish up with Romans 11. Any questions? Yeah, I know there might be a few questions there. Let love. Look at verse 14, chapter 14, verse 1. Corinthians, 1 Corinthians 14, 1. Let love be your highest goal. In my translation, there is an exclamation point. But you should also desire the special abilities the Spirit gives you. 
So the, 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 the Bible does not say, no, no, I just want love. No, I want love, but I want all the gifts, the gifts that the Holy Spirit's giving me. I want them. It says, eagerly desire. If you look at that in the Greek, if you study that Greek word, it means to be on fire for that gift, to be hungry for that gift. It means kind of that same word as a deer pants for the water. That same Hebrew word is kind of the same Greek word that I'm panting for a gift. God, give me the gifts you have for me. Holy Spirit, are you doing that? See, this is how you're going to be used for the kingdom. This is how you're going to be used for the kingdom. Let me make one more point. We're going to come questions. So just a second. Just thank you. One more, one more point. Uh, Romans eleven twenty nine. Real quick. Romans eleven twenty nine. Last point we'll make today, and we'll uh, have any questions, and I'll stick around for any any dialogue and questions. I think this is so cool to talk about, but it's also really important. Look at this. Uh, just one, really one verse. What does your translation say? Eleven Romans eleven twenty nine. Anybody want to read that? Say it again. You know what irrevocable means? He don't take back. He's not a he's not a take backer. He's not gonna say here. He's not so if you don't walk in your gifts or your call. So how many people got a call in their life? Come on, guys, how many people have a call in their life? Everybody. How many people have gifts to accomplish the call for the good of the kingdom? Everybody. And guess how many people can give it back to God because they don't want it? Nobody. So if you don't use the gifts that God's given you, they lay dormant, wasted. I, 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 this kind of this point, last thing I'll share, this point was really made clear to me. Um, uh, the Lord was uh, pressing upon me a gift, uh, and I didn't want it. I'll tell you, I just didn't want this gift. And as I was struggling with this gift, uh, this one particular gift that, that I felt like the God was trying to give to me, um, for about six months, I really battled. And uh, a dear friend of mine, Tommy Hayes, he's, a, he's got a great ministry called Matthias Ministries in Texas. Check it out. Wonderful ministry. And uh, Tommy Hayes, former lawyer, had making a quarter of a million dollars, left everything to go to ministry. Uh, I don't, I'm thinking one day God's going to, like, do the reverse, right? you got 9000 here. Give you 100000 But no, I think you got to stay humble, right? Boom. We're going to do it this way. So. But he, he, he takes Tommy out of law and goes into ministry. And Tommy said this to me. We were in Asbury, and he said, he said, he said, man, he said, what if like a, like what, what if you're uh, somebody in your family that you love gave you a Christmas gift? Like, like here, hand me, like this would be my Christmas gift, right? Just give me this Christmas gift, right? Like, how would you feel? little disappointed, maybe a little hurt. Oh, oh, look at this. Have we hurt the Father? Luke 11, how much more will my Father, Jesus said, give you the gift? gift of the Holy Spirit to those who ask. How much more? Trust him. The Father says, trust him. The Father says, it's a matter of trust. And it's also a matter of, I think, kingdom importance and, and kingdom impact. I really believe that without gifts and without knowing our call, I think we really kind of go around aimless in the kingdom. You see what I'm saying? I just think we walk around aimless. I don't know how many times I meet with young folk and older folk. 40 years old, 50 years old, 60, 16, 18. I just don't know my purpose in life. Well, I don't know your purpose in life, but I can sure point you to the one who does. Because if the Holy Spirit has put his call on your life and it's irrevocable, and he's also given you gifts that's irrevocable, I'm pretty sure the Holy Spirit knows your purpose in life for the kingdom. So do you know your purpose? Do you know your gifts? And do you know your call? If no, good news. There's someone you can ask. His name? The Holy Spirit. Make sense? Makes biblical sense, right? All right. It's 1130. We'll make time for questions. Questions, questions. I promise God's got a word for you. Yes, sir.
covet the best gift. You're not supposed to covet. That's what we're supposed to with all your heart. Do not covet your neighbor's stuff, but you might want to covet your stuff. That's a good list. Good point. So to be devil's advocate here. No, no. I'm disappointed that you didn't finish off 13 and cover the portion where it talks about the gifts uh, being done away with. And so it says, love never fails, but if there are gifts, there is prophecy, it will be done away with. If there are tongues, they will cease. And if there is knowledge, it will be done away with. So I kind of want to know your perspective uh, biblically why you believe, because some believe those are done away with, and why you believe that they are not. Great question. And you're not devil's advocate at all. That's a great question. I, I think there's a lot of study on that passage. And I think when you look at uh, one of the passages I go to for kind of a different reason. So, 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 so in one of the questions that, that I go to, one of the passages I go to is Ephesians 4. And then the kind of the other passages throughout Scripture that kind of talks about and really kind of points to the equipping of the saints, kind of that language that Paul uses, the equipping of the saints. And now Paul is the same one who writes under the inspiration of the Holy Spirit, Corinthians. He's also the one that writes these letters to the churches later after Corinthians or in the same period where he says, equip the saints with these gifts like prophecy and prophet and teaching. And so it, it seems to me, at least in my in my biblical understanding that uh, that I think this prophecy ceasing, I think there's this at least this sense in here that at the end of time where where these gifts we could like do gifts all day long but if we don't have faith hope and love then we're I think he's making a point that then we have nothing so we can do all the gifts you want but if we don't have faith hope and love of the greatest of these is love then you're kind of you're, you're empty that's kind of my sense with that passage not that he's saying that all the gifts are done that's at least that's my understanding if you have a different understanding then God bless you because I I, you, I may be wrong you may be right but I, I, I do believe that we have, when we read scriptures that talk about we've been given gifts, especially in the church of Corinth, it, it doesn't sound like when you look at that and you read scripture and throughout scripture that it's for a period of just this time. It seems to me to like the end of age or to, the, to, to when Jesus comes back. That's what it kind of reads like when you read all of the scriptures together. Does that make sense? Then when I was to read that. So again, could be totally wrong. And I've heard that before. We had great, I have great conversations with dear friends who believe a little bit differently than I do. But my understanding is a little bit different. But I think, I think what we can all agree on, faith, hope, and love has got to be the hallmark. It's got to be the hallmark of our Christian life. Does that make sense? Is that, is that fair? All right. We can talk more. I'd love, I would love to talk more. All right. Thank you. Thank you. Anything else? Anything else? Anybody else? Comments? Questions? Thoughts? I saw the, I I saw the brain working. I saw the, yep. Wheels are turning. It's kind of a combination thing of looking at in terms of the body and the gifts. And one time I was praying and whole, I felt like Holy Spirit was saying to me, so if you're sick and you need healing and I pray for you and you're healed, who received, who had the gift of healing? Me or you? You got the gift of healing. If, if I need a word of wisdom, and you come and speak to me and give me that word of wisdom. Who received the word of wisdom? I did. And that we're a body. Yeah. And we don't possess this gift ourselves. It's there for the spirit to distribute to whoever needs the gift. And if he wants to use me, wonderful. If he wants to use somebody else, that's great too. Yeah. Yeah. Amen. And I think what I'm hearing from that is be open to how the Holy Spirit's going to use you. Um, don't own a gift as if it's only yours. The body of Christ is important. And I also think that, um, for instance, like uh, I, I think there has to be, I was talking to someone just the other day, there's a real sense of just trying to be obedient to the Holy Spirit's voice in our lives to go pray with someone or to go witness to someone. or Because the Holy Spirit knows that person's place in their faith. The Holy Spirit knows where that person is in their uh, desperation, wherever it might be. And that person, if, if the Holy Spirit knows that person, like, we believe the Holy Spirit probably does, then the Holy Spirit is probably going to use you. We talk about, as somebody said, divine appointment. We talk about divine appointments. That divine appointment. So who gets the credit? God. Who gets the glory? God. 
And it's just simply, and that's the, I think that's the beauty of the body of Christ, working together with love being the highest goal. So, great point. Great point. Anything else? Questions, comments, thoughts? Anything, anything? All right. Going once, going twice. I'll be around if you want to chat, love to chat and dialogue with y'all on any questions whatsoever. Um, there is a, there's great Still, I think there's great, um, let me say this last thing. I think there's great truth to still be mined in this area, amen? I think you still got a lot of digging to do to figure out exactly what gifts and fruit all mean. But I think um, my heart would be, then let's dig. Let's dig together. Let's figure this out. Because there are some principles that are pretty clear. Let's figure out what this all means. And then let's do it together as the body of Christ so that we can impact a really, really needy world. There's a world that's in need of, uh, of a church that wants to, is moving in the power of the Holy Spirit and in love. So that's my heart. All right, let's pray. Lord, we love you so much. Thank you so very much for, once again, another morning. As Jen said, beautiful morning, a day to come. Uh, thank you for the morning that has been. Thank you for the day that uh, this moment that is. And thank you, Lord, for the moments to come. Uh, may we be uh, alert and attentive uh, to your Holy Spirit working and moving uh, among us and through us. Uh, may we continue to appreciate the body of Christ in all of its uniqueness, in all of its complexities, in all of its graces and gifts. And we ask and pray, dear God, that you would just continue uh, to, to remind us love is our highest goal. That's, that should never be in doubt. Love, if we ever doubt anything and still kind of working through, figuring out what this may or may not mean, we can always go back to love. Always. That is our foundational piece. Um, I've said before a thousand times, I'd rather make a mistake in love then be right in arrogance and, and, and pride and hurt someone. So, Lord, I pray, I pray, pray that, that as we continue to learn how to walk in love, that your Holy Spirit, I believe that's one of the greatest. I think there's a reason love is the first fruit. We're going to talk about that tomorrow in depth. We're fruit of the Spirit. Uh, we save that to last, best for last, next uh, tomorrow night or tomorrow morning. So we ask and pray that you would continue to remind us that the best way to walk in the Holy Spirit is by love. We love you so very much. We thank you in Jesus' in mighty name. Bless lunch and bless all those activities this afternoon. In your name we pray. Amen. Love you guys.